Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Grinter podcast. Today here with us, we have Ilaria Capelli, who works as an energy and utilities consultant and is deeply invested in the nuclear space, and more specifically in the future application of small modular reactors. As a result, what are small modular reactors and where are we at regarding their development and design? Where would you be able to locate um, SMRs in the future? Can you operate SMRs solely through machinery and automation, thereby eliminating the risk of human error? In a future national grid in a given country, can SMRs and renewable energy sources coexist to satisfy the national energy demand? What are the main countries investing in SMRs? Would you be able to retrofit and repurpose non-renewable plants, such as coal plants, through the installment of SMRs? Tune in to today's podcast to find out the answers to these intriguing questions. Enjoy, everybody. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Green Through. Here today with us, we have um, Ilaria, who we're going to be touching upon, uh, you know, small um, nuclear reactors. And uh, I think we can start with uh, a brief introduction regarding your background. And uh, yeah, we'll just take it from there. Um, hi, Eric. Thank you very much for the invitation to this very, very nice initiative. Um, well, uh, with respect to me, uh, I'm currently like an energy and utilities consultant at Fertivity uh, in the Italian office in Milan. And um, the thing is that I graduated from a double degree Master of Science uh, in economics in Bocconi. And then I actually did a specialization in, um, in energy and in international energy at Sciences Po Paris. So it's there actually that my passion in general for energy and especially for nuclear energy economics in general started. And there I started to write also my master thesis on uh, small modern reactors. And since then I started to like uh, um, follow the current developments with respect to SMRs in general. Perfect. And um, I think, you know, off the back of the, I think they're relevant, but now off the back of Bill Gates, you know, book where he, you know, I read the, I think uh, I was reading the book like three weeks ago and he briefly touched upon them. I think it'll be good, you know, just to start by saying, you know, what they are and, uh, you know, how they work just on a top down level. Absolutely. Let, let's say that um, actually there is a, quite an hype today with respect to SMRs, uh, thanks to Bill Gates, but thanks also to a general, um, I think, advertising and publicity by different uh, national and international actors, especially also the UK. I think you, you could uh, know a little bit uh, about that. And I think also they were included by the 10 points regarding the energy sector of Boris Johnson. So actually there is there is quite a- There is relevance. There. Yeah, there is relevance. Uh, what they are, uh, let's say that S SMRs, they, the name is quite telling because they, they mean small modular reactors and they are like small scale um, nuclear fission reactors, which produce uh, um, electricity up to 300 megawatt. So as a term of reference, they are actually, you have to consider them with respect to larger scale nuclear power plants as some uh, plants that provides one third or one fifth of the total uh, electricity. Okay. So the majority of them, actually, the, the technology is quite similar to normal uh, large-scale reactors because they are pressurized uh, water reactors, and they, works, uh, they work exactly the same. Um, the thing, the, the main difference, apart from the dimension, is actually the um, economic uh, implications of this dimension with respect to the um, economic competitiveness of this kind of reactors with respect okay. to large-scale ones. So there are four main characteristics, let's say, okay. of SMRs. Uh, the first one is modularity. The thing is that the contained dimension of SMRs go hand in hand with the possibility of fabricating them as standardized modules within factory lines. 
So okay. this is very different from uh, in situ, like uh, yeah, standalone uh, nuclear station, exactly. let's just say. Exactly, that they are like very, very big stations that they have uh, to um, have a specific licenses related to the geographical lo lo location, etc. In this case, we produce them uh, in mass production in factories. And this mass production actually entails some economic benefits, like, for example, lower upfront costs, especially in the medium long run when you have economies of series and economies of learning. You have also lowered the commissioning costs because they are standardized model, they're relatively easy also of to. Of course. Uh, the commission and then most importantly you have lower construction risks and shorter construction times this in, in is related at the same time with easier financing because one of the main problem of large-scale nuclear reactors especially in the oecd world is the the cost of financing the cost of capital in this right. case since you have lower construction risk and shorter construction time but you know with your experience yeah. in, in the sector you have easier financing with respect to large-scale uh, reactors then they are more flexible actually and they uh, also could be used in multiple modules in a same uh, like large units so they have incremental scal uh, scalability of capacity addition and finally um, this is very important for the general public they are um, inherently more um, safe with respect than uh, the large-scale nuclear reactors why because their contained dimensions uh, actually allow uh, the possibility of having passive system features and this means actually um, kind of exploiting uh, uh, natural physics like for example pressure uh, for example um, gravity etc in order to um, actually contain uh, the damage let's say contain the damage yeah in all potential accident and also in the case of accident the thing is that having contained dimension of course the heat that you produce is lower right. so also the potential damages are lower so I think that sounds like, you know, mentioning all the attractive points, it sounds like a, a no-brainer and, the, you know, the average uh, firm or the average country should, you know, invest. But I was quite interested regarding, you know, say you have like um, a given industry or sorry, a given, um, uh, you know, producing station of whatever sort of material, how can you sort of apply it um, in a given supply chain? Do you have to have like an external site from, you know, where you produce, say, um xyz or can it also you know be safely allocated adjacent to an existing uh, product line this is a very good question actually and uh, very on point the thing is that in order to produce them in factory lines the the idea of the supply chain with respect to smrs actually is that of producing them in a particular site and maybe in in countries which are uh, front runners forerunners with respect to smrs and then kind of exporting them all over the world so the the idea is that like to make them as modules that were very easy to use and ready to use so actually the, the like the ideal is that of um like having this module then like locating it in the specific site uh pushing a button and then uh, energy starts to, to come right up. but but the thing is that of course there are some geopolitical aspects also like related to this but say you scrap the the, the negative connotation associated with it right and i run my own textile plant right and you know i'm finding that i don't know um, oil is too expensive at the minute due to you know geopolitical factors and i wanted to um, resort to smr where can i locate can i locate it safely along other you know um, machinery or does it have do i have to you know invest extra money to have well, you know 
the the thing is that for private actors and from companies, SMRs are still still a little bit okay, too okay, much. Okay, Let's okay. say that we we will start from there. Then maybe in like in thirty years or whatever, we can also uh, kind of arrive to like uh, mini <laughs> reactors, really like even more than small reactors. Uh, but the, the the idea, the main idea of like one of the um, um, most innovative uses of the uh, SMRs is the idea of using them for like, for example, geographically remote cities or like deploy them next to cities in order to provide a clean electricity 24 hours, um, seven days a week. Um, so the idea, yes, uh, what, what they entail, also they contain dimension, entail the possibility of having uh, like smaller emergency planning zones. So those right. buffer zones that you need to have for like, uh, right. like legally in order to prevent potential damages to the local population during accidents. And this idea of having contained dimension, they're like inherently smaller than, than big, large scale nuclear power plants, uh, could entail the possibility of actually locating them next to, to, to cities, absolutely. Uh, it depends, enough. of course, on the public opinion. You know, we have no, to right, 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 right. And um, I think that's a whole other discussion that you know goes yeah. into <laughs> goes into the social sphere of things. But um, regarding, you know, how do you? Because always, sorry to mention Bill Gates again, but off the back of his book, right? And I think I know I understand the physics of it because you know, having read them and studied them just on a, on a shallow manner. But um, what was really striking was that you can sort of run them and manage them just by machinery. You don't actually need the human intervention because it's all automated. Uh, is this true? Like, uh, we'll, we'll... Okay. Yeah, let's say that some vendors are actually insisting on, on this aspect a lot. Also in, um, in explaining how like SMRs could reduce actually um, human resources cost in general, because instead of having like uh, 100 engineers uh, uh, monitoring all the time, right. uh, you could have actually computers or a list. You can have like, for example, multiple modules, but all controlled by a single control room. So Perfect. there is the idea and also this idea of automation and also automation related to passive uh, safety system features. So of automation course. that actually is uh, also like uh, um, empowered by mm, physics and nature in general. So definitely that is a point that is worth stressing. And don't you think that, you know, as, so let's just say always optimistic, positive, you know, next 10 years, let's just say all the developments and, you know, the targets are hit, right? And uh, all the, you know, let's just say gradual points are met. Do you think that, that, you know, elimination of human error can make nuclear sort of you know, I wouldn't say great again, like the Trump slogan, but, you know, make it uh, like a reliable source that can, you know, be complementary in, say, 10 years on a national grid in a country like, I don't know, France, where you have, I don't know, X amount of wind and um, solar and hydro in peak. And then you always have the, the, the nuclear as, um, you know, as a baseload option as well. This is a this is an excellent point, actually. Uh, the thing is that, uh, yeah, the the main the win-win situation would be that of having SMRs actually cohabitating with um, uh, renewable energy sources in general, because the thing is that they are complementary in a certain sense. Like you have a, a renewable energy sources that they are inherently less costly. Because the thing is that having renewable energy sources means that actually your marginal cost of production is zero. Because of course you have sun, it's free. You have wind, it's free. The thing is that, as you said, they are inherently variable. So the thing is that okay 
okay we all need to watch for example like a football match at uh, 7 p.m okay nice but there is no sun and there is no wind so how can we do that the thing is that you need those thermal sources those called also base load energy sources that provide electricity at will whenever you want also at night maybe when you have a factory that is producing at night and you need some clean energy sources in that respect and with that respect in base load energy sources the only clean energy sources that we have apart from um hydro but for hydro, you need some geographical characteristic of yeah. your country. If you don't have uh, those characteristics, you cannot of have course. hydro, of course. Uh, nuclear could be a, a valid, very valid candidate um, in this respect. So definitely the, the, the winning couple is uh, SMRs, nuclear, coupled with, uh, with renewable energy sources. The uh, advantage, let's say, of SMRs is that actually being um, smaller, they also produce less electricity and it's easier to plan also for uh, by national governments the capacity addition. Well, if you install like one gigawatt, one gigawatt and a half super large nuclear power, Plants, then you have actually to amortize the cost in the end it's like uh, it's really difficult to, to plan the, the investment in the future while in in this smrs let, let's kind of compare them at like a leasing option so you start with something then you see if, if it right. works then maybe you add something else etc i think that's a great comparison because you know working previously you know as a power broker and the there was always news about, you know, EDF doing this, this and that. And there was always like, you know, uh, renewed either outages, shortages. And I wanted to ask you, do you think that the main, because we'll touch upon after regarding what the main countries are, but um, do you see uh, SMRs and normal nuclear plants existing together or will it be one or in the future? Because, you know, they're sizable investments for the actual nuclear plants. So I don't think that countries that have, push that narrative will just scrap those assets out uh, no, of their balance sheet. You're right. Um, it depends, of course, on demand. So the thing is that if you know that actually you will need one gigawatt, one gigawatt and a half, of course, you, you should go for larger nuclear power plants, especially now that uh, SMRs are still, of course, in the initial phases of development. So they are still quite costly uh, on a unitary cost point of view right. with respect to large scale nuclear power plants. But the thing is that SMR vendors are really pushing in this respect, saying that in the long run, uh, one of the potential applications of SMRs is actually to reach one, one gigawatt or one gigawatt and a, and a half if needed in multi-unit siting. So put them okay. like five or six SMRs. SMRs right. on the same side and then producing the same amount of electricity right. of a large-scale nuclear power plant. And there, what they are saying is that, okay, in the long run, you know what, actually they will be less costly than large-scale nuclear power plants. So actually what could happen in the long run if everything goes like super well, they're right. able to take off, etc. probably they could also start to be really, we could start to see a competition between large-scale okay. nuclear power plants and SMRs. And I think competition is now, all... Yeah. Yeah, I think competition is always the, the healthy route in terms of, yeah. you know, so long that supply exceeds demand and you let customers decide, of course, always saving the earth. I think that's the, you know, natural selection of how things are. And um, I wanted to ask you, like, what are the biggest players at the minute in terms of what countries are pushing the SMR narrative? You know, who is believing um, this, this kind of technology or not? 
This is very interesting, actually, because the, um, the thing is that we, at, at, at present day, we have like 50 designs under development of SMRs. Some of them are in advanced state of licensing. Some of them are still in the designing phase. Some others are operational. Actually, the one, the only one that are operational are the Russian ones, because okay. Russia is really the front runner with respect okay. to the SMR race. Um, and um, most interesting, interestingly, is the fact that um, the, the first SMR that the Russian developed is the, the first uh, uh, floating nuclear power plant in the world. So actually it's an SMR that is put on a boat and is connected to, to a port in Siberia. And actually is, uh, is giving, is providing electricity to this uh, city in Siberia. That's amazing. It's super, super nice. And like they kind of, it was amazing because they solved the problem of the NIMBY. So like not in my backyard. Why? Because if you put that on a, on a boat that actually is international there, water, exactly. there's no problem actually for the, for the community there. Um, uh, unfortunately, I, I asked uh, uh, to a member from Rosatom because this, this actually, this plant is operated by Rosatom and I have the chance to meet one of them. And actually I asked if the, the boat was able to move, but unfortunately not, but they are working on both like kind of moving with SMRs on them. That's so crazy. Actually moving port from port in Siberia. And That's then providing crazy. That is super interesting. So they are really the front runners, but actually their, techno their technology is uh, very similar to um, uh, the nuclear technology that is used in uh, like uh, uh, icebreaker boats and ships. So it's not like a really technological breakthrough. Those that are a little bit more advanced in this respect, really developing new technology, let's say are the Chinese of course because they are the <laughs> second one after of Russia course. so there the there is this uh, design that is uh, called the Linglong one that is currently under construction it started in 2019 right and uh, but they kind of they are targeting their uh, as always of course uh, they are they have um, developed a very tight schedule and actually they have also identified some territories within China where to develop those SMRs so actually they are more um, um, looking inward with respect to artwork okay. in general uh, those that are looking to exports in general to start this mission are especially the South Korean that actually they are kind of like signing some partnership with uh, Saudi Arabia and they are uh, trying to uh, develop a design especially um, uh, creative in order to be deployed in desalinization plants so to okay. be uh, actually used in desalinization plants next to the sea and then we have finally also in the look into the west but of course let's say that China and Russia are really far ahead with respect to us in of course this okay but we have new scale in the, in the US and um, they are in a very advanced uh, license stage and they are like uh, they are um, expecting the approval by 2022 okay. and after that they will start to build the, their first SMR nuclear power plants in Idaho okay. so actually we are we're really close and finally we have some other countries in the European Union that are moving like right. France with Newark and also UK with Rolls-Royce so these are the main actors uh, at the moment but there are many that's amazing and regarding because i didn't want to ask you but do our smrs for example affected by heat or no like it, like regarding climate weather in, are they in their own insulated chamber so you know you can have them in siberia just so you can have them in the sahara desert for example in north africa it doesn't really matter the site right or does it 
Well, it doesn't really matter. And actually, this is a very good question in order to like extend my reasoning also to another point. The, the thing that I didn't mention is another safety like um, characteristic of SMRs in general is that the majority of the designs are um, envisaged to be built underground. Okay. So because they are very small, they can actually be buried. So the main, uh, the majority of designs, uh, they, they, they have this, like the vendors said that they will be built underground. And some of them, like for example, as newer, the French one, will also be inserted in artificial pools. Okay. So the thing is that this will increase geological system containments and further reduce the possibility of accidents. And of course, insulating them from any possible weather condition. I was also, um, you know, observed on one of the sources that you sent me that um, you can, like an added benefit associated with the SMRs is that you can repurpose uh, existing, uh, uh, let's just say coal plants or, you know, those more polluting energy resource uh, sources and those uh, sites like coal plants, um, how sort of can you, you know, let's just say um, repurpose them through SMRs? This is one of the most interesting application for us, especially and especially for countries that already have some nuclear uh, programs uh, um, uh, available at the moment, like, for example, countries that are already invested in that, like Russia, US, France, etc. And how you can retrofit this kind of plants actually is very, very easy because we, okay. we tend to um, we tend to overlook the fact that nuclear energy in general, or at least the mechanism, I, I, like now I'm super simplifying, but yeah, right, right, right. very important concept. The mechanism of producing electricity, uh, uh, the basic concept is exactly the same as that of uh, other thermal uh, power plants. So that of coal and gas. The thing is that everything works uh, in the end uh, with an uh, electrical genera generator that is connected to a steam turbine. Now right. the thing is that how to produce this steam. In right. coal and gas, you produce that by burning these right. fossil fuels. But the side effect is that, of course, you burn that, okay, you, you obtain heat, but then you release CO2 and right. other some particles, etc., that are even more damaging. The thing is that in the case of, uh, of nuclear, you have exactly the same um, goal in mind, but you do that by nuclear by an, an artificial nuclear reaction right and the thing is so it's not so difficult actually no. you have to substitute just a piece that is connected to the steam um, turbine so the thing is, if you have something that is small and can be actually installed in the in the plant and a former coal or, or a gas plant then you have the the win-win situation you actually um, reconvert the plant and from being polluting it becomes carbon neutral so that is a very one of one of the most important applications. That's insane. And do you think that again, let's just say wearing the hat of the optimist and the, you know, let's just say somebody who is just willing to work with this narrative, do you think that, you know, if all the stages are met and uh, you know countries can lead the charge, somebody like Russia, China, or France, and um, as you mentioned, the US, do you think that since we all relied on coal at some point, right? And we all have coal plants you know, that are just sitting idle, you know, that are unused. Do you think that even those countries that are, for example, like Italy, where we have, we know this in our backyard with the referendum, we, regardless of whether, you know, it's right or not, do you not think that going forward, SMRs, like they will become too compelling not to use in order to repurpose sites that otherwise, you know, would just be, uh, you know, become museums or something? I really hope for this uh, status of affair, actually, because um, it is, it would be even economically convenient for those countries. Why? Because actually, 
uh, retrofitting those old power plants will uh, also reduce the decommissioning cost of those plants exactly. in general. So actually you, you will use an infrastructure that you already have. And at the same time, you will reduce the cost of building a new uh, nuclear power plants, even if SMR nuclear power plants and in the optimal world, of course, less costly than their large scale nuclear power plants. So the thing is that that would be really an ideal uh, development of all the um, SMR race at this point. And I think unfortunately that still there is not enough attention to that because that could be a, like a very, very good point also for environmentalists in general, for people that pro nuclear, for also national government, etc., to really put forward the cause of the SMRs. And of course, and I think and like another added benefit I was just thinking about is that, as you said, the, the nuclear side, which is, you know, the heat generation, will then still, you know, um, fuel the turbine, right? So you still need personnel and staff looking after the turbine. So in a way, that coal personnel, let's just say the, whose uh, skill set has been rendered, you know, obsolete or not needed anymore can, you know, be needed once again. So, uh, you know, you, you'd, you'd be... Um, once again, paying, you know, the wages for people that otherwise, you know, would have to completely revolutionize um, what they know. Let's say that um, in a certain sense, that is true. The unfortunate uh, thing is that, like also related to the, our um, previous question with respect to automation, uh, for sure, you will have more jobs than by shutting down completely okay, the, okay, okay. the plant, but not as the same number. Actually repurpose some of the workers and also repurpose them in some more added value, um, um, for example, uh, things or um, jobs in general. So that could be like a, a, a good point. And at the same time, another additional thing uh, with respect, of course, they will uh, highly influence and they will have a social economic impact on the on the background, of course, in the community. And another thing that it could have, they could, um, of course, decrease the pollution in the area. Let's imagine like a coal right. power plant that is still operating, so decrease the local pollution. And another thing that they could do is with respect to um, normal also coal or gas plants, uh, the thing is that they will inherently use less land because they don't need um, like those con uh, containers uh, that were um, initially used in order to store coal or gas, especially coal. So the thing is that also those uh, areas, you could actually repurpose them and then give them back to the local community in a certain sense. So there are some some aspects that are- I mean, uh, these, uh, these arguments are compelling. I was just thinking about it. It's like, I, I think I have another one in the sense I wanted to ask you like, just off the spot, um, you know, negative technologies, right? Direct air capture and, you know, um, the main problem, according to the Sherwood plot, is that, you know, as the particles are more dilute from the source, then you need more energy source as opposed to just getting, you know, the, um, the um, what's it called? The CO2 from the fumes of uh, a power plant, you know, where, you know, it's 80% or 100% CO2 um, uh, contained. Do you think that SMRs could let's just say in 10 years time when when uh, for example that DAC for example because I had another person on board on green through direct air capture it's already existing right but it's still at its embryo stage so I think they're sort of competing I wouldn't say competing but they're sort of evolving at the same time do you think that in a not so distant future something like SMR could power even negative um, technologies or no? 
this is certainly an interesting point. I, I have to admit that I've never heard about it. Right. Um, I've heard some applications related to the production of hydrogen. Right. Uh, because the thing is that you have, again, this idea of the 24-7 uh, electricity available whenever you want. But right. this same reasoning, I think, could be applied to CCS in general, um, especially if there are some uh, um, strong geopolitical interest in, in the thing. Because unfortunately, the main thing with respect to CCS and carbon capture in general is that there is not a market for that because the thing is that you don't have an immediate reward from capturing the CO2 from because the atmosphere. Because you need to repurpose it. The, the you need to repurpose it, yeah, or unless you need to find a use for it. So the thing is that for now, vendors are stressing the thing of, okay, we can use this energy even if you don't want them in your cities because you're still too afraid, blah, blah. We can use that in order to produce hydrogen that um, right now there is an hype also on that. Right. Uh, saying this idea, you have uh, energy whenever you want, but this same idea, absolutely could be used by proponents of CCS in general, because I think one thing that they never say, also the, the uh, European Union with the Green Deal, etc., is that going uh, net zero and going carbon neutral will inherently need to need carbon capture, even if it is uneconomical. So if we need some some like technology uh, kind of helping us and doing that at the least cost possible, probably SMRs could be a, a good candidate, definitely. Especially also because gas will play a factor in the transition, right? Like we'll still need it because we're not ready to just go 100% renewable just yet. So I think towards the yeah, net zero target. Ready, the thing is that also is it's kind of impossible right now. Exactly. The exactly. real breakthrough with respect to technology is not on wind and uh, and solar because still like the thing is that we already did some amazing amazing steps with with, with that regard, um, especially with the um, offshore wind and now like the European Union is really investing right. heavily on that. But the thing is that the real breakthrough uh, in order to use uh, renewable energy electricity more and more in our energy mixes should be something related to uh, batteries and energy storage. But at the same time, also there, we are a little bit uh, behind with, with the optimal, uh, because why? Because storage and batteries for now, they can provide storage for like maximum one day or something like that. But in order to have something efficient, we need storage for weeks, months. Of course. And still we are like very, very uh, far behind. Let's see, you know, there'll be exciting developments. And yeah. um, <laughs> I think let's just pick, for example, New World as an example, because, you know, uh, as we were briefly mentioned, um, you know, talking about it before the call, it has the involvement of the French government. So I wanted to ask you, you know, how using New World as a, you know, what it stands for as an example, how key is the involvement of, uh, you know, the government at the, during the design stage and the promotion of um, SMR? Uh, the, the government involvement is uh, absolutely uh, necessary, especially in the first stages of the, the development of this uh, technology. With respect to New World, the thing is that uh, there is a kind of a joint venture of uh, some of the leading actors of, the, um, of the, the, the French nuclear sector joining forces together, and most of them are also controlled by the state, of course. So we have a joint venture of uh, composed by EDF, so like uh, mm -hmm. Electricité de France. We have SEAD. And then we have also Technicatom and Naval Group. And actually they are like kind of mixing all their different expertises in order to create this, uh, this design. But um, the government, actually the French government is especially involved uh, apart from financing, but the main 
push uh, that actually the government could give to this kind of project is with respect to uh, legal regulation. Because um, unfortunately, all the amazing things that we said before with respect to increasing to the increased com uh, competitiveness of SMRs with respect to large scale nuclear power plants, um, it relies heavily on uh, regulation that allows the possibility of having standardized module that uh, inherently come with standardized licenses. So the thing right. is that if you have a model that is already certified, so like it's out of the factory and then you can install it, there is no problem, no bureaucracy, no nothing, perfect, okay, you can go Done. for that, you can decrease costs. But if every time you have to, again, certify the thing, then if you want to export that it. to China, if you want to export that to Estonia, whatever, then you need some other regulations, some other bureaucracy, etc. Because of course, the thing that you have right now is that nuclear safety standards like vary widely among different countries. So it's very difficult to have a standardized uh, module because of course, every country decides for its own. Of course. And, and the thing is that if you don't have that, so like uh, from the national government, but also on an international level, it's very difficult for SMRs to take off. So what they are doing is that the French government is pushing really, really strongly in that respect. So it's in like it's one of the um, most important players in initiative related to regulatory forms, like the SMR forms, the EU, uh, US uh, SMR forum in general, and also the initiative related uh, to the European Union in that respect. But I think if, if there is like a um, like common understanding and a common willingness by all the parties involved, uh, creating some national agreements that will allow this kind of licenses could be the real factor, like influencing the development of SMRs. Right. And uh, I mean, let's just hope so again, right? But yeah. <laughs> um, I think, and also I was looking at the timescale, right? You know, the let's just say if once again, the optimistic hat and everything goes well, the they can be brought to market by what was it 2033 right or along yeah. those lines let's the just majority say, of, of designs especially from the western world yeah. let's just say a decade from now for um argument's sake but um do you think that the 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 it's almost perfect the way it's played out in the sense that like for 10 years right so let's just say smrs you know we get some sort of um, an understanding at a national slash international level you know, not every player has to do it, not every country has to do it, but those countries that do agree, do it, right? And this sort of seamless interaction between those who abide by it. But do you think that in the meanwhile, renewables can reach or battery storage, you know, we can make those leaps and then, you know, SMRs will become, let's just say, available at the perfect time? Or do you think that they'll become obsolete by the time that um, you know, in 2033, you know, so much can happen. So I um, just wanted to ask you your, your opinion on the matter. Okay. Um, well, this is a very difficult question uh, to answer, but... No, what I can hy say, hypothetical, hypothetical. Yeah, hypothetical, absolutely. What I can say is that, like, being conservative in general, as, like, many, many uh, researchers were um, uh, in uh, past years, uh, I would say that there's this risk does not exist because still with respect to battery technology we are like a little bit uh, far behind and uh, as we previously um, said the thing is that with variability you also have some uh, stress that is put on the electric grid so you have apart from the battery storage you also have to uh, kind of manage this this other stress uh, related to renewable energies so i think that they could 
come at the, at the right time. At the same time, um, especially when we look at the amazing advancement that we have with respect to solar uh, 10 years um, from now, the, like the 10 years ago, let's say, right. uh, the thing is that like they kind of exceeded all the possible expectations. So what could happen is that if really we have like a breakthrough in the battery storage, especially, or a new battery technology that is actually delinked from or detached from lithium because lithium is all another thing and it's really really difficult also to um, to rely completely on that from a uh, geopolitical aspect if we have a real breakthrough with respect to that then smrs they could have some some problems but for now um i think that uh, the the time could could be right and also with with the thing that we said before that the kind of uh, um the thing that they are complementary with respect to renewable energy sources could be um another potential advantage like they could live together quite well i think uh, you know that's a great point to you know end it on and uh, is there anything you would like to add regarding the, the challenges or you know main points or you think uh, we've exhausted all the all the main points regarding the technology at hand no, I think we, I think we definitely exhausted all, all the main points. Uh, just um, the last thing that I think is like worth to mention for like um, anybody or like uh, who is interested on the on the matter is like another alternative uh, um, use of SMRs. We we talked about hydrogen, we talked about electricity in general, etc. Right. Another use is actually that of. Uh, uh, the potential to uh, decarbonize uh, industrial processing, industrial heavy industrial processing. So, for, for example, the, the production of uh, steel or right. uh, the production of uh, some other uh, very pollutant material in general. And uh, this is another uh, point on which vendors are stressing very much and is one of the sectors that is the most difficult to decarbonize uh, today. And it's certainly something you could not do with uh, hmm. uh, renewable energy sources and batteries. So if... <laughs> <laughs> the, the, like uh, matters start to go uh, bad for SMRs, there is still this possibility of being used in order to decarbonize industrial processing. So I think that's that's another point to the pro argument. And uh, you know, thank you very much for um, you know for the time, Ilaria. It's been amazing. And uh, you know, thank, thank you, you very, very much. much. See you. Like. <laughs>